Welcome, everybody, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by my great co-host, the one and only Nathan Yonke. Nate, happy belated birthday, my friend. How's it going? Thank you. It's going well. Glad that we have some news to talk about that's been going on over the past 24 hours. So glad that there's interesting football news going on that'll impact the fantasy football world. Yeah, yeah, it's been nice, actually. Something other than just highlights of players in shorts um, making plays so that this is good, right? Last, mm-hmm. last episode, we we kind of talked about the running backs already. And um, obviously, if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and check it out. But since that running back episode uh, has come out, we've actually got substantial news regarding Dalvin Cook today as he was informed that he'll be released by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we kind of touched on this last week as well, including some potential landing spots and our feelings about him on a new team but nate any quick updated thoughts on new free agent dalvin cook and what it means for his replacement in minnesota alexander madison for 2023 uh before we get into these wide receivers here sure we definitely touched on cook a bit last week but to start with madison um i think right now he fits in that running back 20 to 25 range um should see the majority of touches for the team um it'll be interesting to see how how he ends up going, but I think the big thing now is figuring out if the Vikings add a veteran running back. I know it seems a little weird for them to cut Cook just in turn to sign a veteran, but the big thing is money here. Cook had a 14 million to 15 million cap hit for each of the next three years left on his contract, where any running back they bring in at this point will be significantly cheaper than that and most likely on a one-year deal. And like the big names, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt. But there's plenty of other guys that they could sign to that might not have as much of an impact, but still could drop Madison down a little bit. Someone like Kenyon Drake, who um, went to the Ravens last year, hasn't really had much buzz about him at this point. But like you can list running back after running back who's currently available, who was on a team last year, who could have at least a little bit of a role in Minnesota. So it'll just be interesting to see if they bring anyone in if they just rely on the rookie, these are younger running backs that they've drafted that have been unproven to this point. That's best case scenario for Madison, but um, I'm guessing they will bring in someone within the next month or so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I, and as far as Dalvin Cook goes, like like we talked about kind of last episode, I've I've moved him down since our our last episode. He's like you said, he's now RB twenty five for me, um, with maybe room to move up or down depending on where that landing spot is. Um, Alexander Madison, I moved up as well for now. Uh, so he's RB twenty for me as that kind of lead back now in Minnesota, at least for the time being, uh, with a shot at a pretty significant role, right? It's going to include some more goal line opportunities, maybe even a slight uptick in the receiving game as well. So Madison just, um, you know, pretty big winner right now. Uh, Even though we pretty much expected this, there was still Mm -hmm. the potential of them maybe restructuring his contract or something like that. But this now removes any doubt and we can uh, embrace Alexander Madison's season, at least until they do bring uh, somebody in, like you said. And like, I'll probably be dropping Cook outside of my top, 30 I wouldn't be surprised if I drop him that low just because um I had him as high as I did with the chance that he took a pay cut and remained with Minnesota but at this point um we talked a bit about him landing in Miami last week and how 
that could be a bit of a downgrade in a potential three to four man rotation at running back. Uh, Denver is the other team that he's been linked to, but if Williams is healthy, then he'd be the backup. They already added Samaje P. Ryan, who they seem comfortable with seeing a significant role. So even if Cook ends up in Denver, I could see that being a part-time role and leaving him outside of the top 30 fantasy running back. So I think now that he's been cut, I'll be downgrading him a bit in my rankings. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a few places, right? Dallas as well. Um, you know, he'd probably be splitting time with Tony Pollard there. So there's, yeah, definitely some not great landing spots that that feel kind of likely at the same time. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. And yeah, we'll update the rankings, obviously, as news progresses this offseason. So um before we get uh, before we get started, I, I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Uh, as a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future. With term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who answer questions along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if the term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFF. That's meetfabric.com slash PFF. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash P-F-F policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency LLC using fabric technologies not available in certain states. Price subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash P-F-F. All right. Let's move on to the topic of the day, and that is the positional preview for 2023 wide receivers. We each have six tiers that we'll go through. Obviously, not going to talk about every single player in every tier, but we'll do what uh, the ones that we what we have in the past uh, a few episodes by focusing in on the names of note and where some of our discrepancies are in each other's ranks and talk about why we like certain players over others. Um, again, we're talking about our PPR ranks again today. So this position is a key one as we're seeing more wide receivers be drafted um, often and earlier than any other position. Um, so just a quick look at kind of how the historical scoring and PPR for top 12, 24, 36, 48 wide receivers since 2018 wide receiver one scored 17.8 point points per game on average. Wide receiver two, 14.6 points per game on average. Wide receiver three, 11.7. And wide receiver four, 11.4. So close there. Um, and that's outperforming running backs across the board there on average as well, especially as we get into those uh, later rounds of drafts. Those points per reception become all the more valuable for fantasy as uh, it's about a two and a half point per game difference between the average wide receiver four and the average running back four. So just something to keep in mind as you're drafting and getting into those later rounds um but yeah all right let's uh let's get into our wide receivers here uh nate hit us with your tier one 
Sure. So uh, first off, me and everyone else in the world has Justin Jefferson at wide receiver one, uh, followed by Jamar Chase at two, Cooper Cup at three, and Tyreek Hill at four. Yeah, yeah. We we have the same four players. Justin Jefferson at one, of course, as well for me. Uh, Jamar Chase at wide receiver two. And then the only difference between tier one for us is I have Tyreek Hill at wide receiver three. You have Cooper and, and I have Cooper Cup at wide receiver four. So um, would you like to, to give your reasoning for Cup over Hill? And then I could kind of give my Hill over Cup reasoning. Sure. So with Cup, uh, he is the leader in uh, PPR points per game each of the last two seasons. Um, any stat that you look at over the two seasons combined, he's number one, whether it's target share, yards per route run, uh, receptions per route run. Uh, he has the second most touchdowns in that or second most receiving touchdowns in that time, despite missing half a season there. So um, he's been excellent while he's been on the field. The Rams offense looks fairly similar to how it's been in recent seasons, except they don't have quite as much talent at wide receiver. The other not quite as big news that happened in the last 24 hours, the Rams added Demarcus Robinson at wide receiver. So he's probably their biggest veteran addition to their skill players throughout this offseason. And he's definitely someone that's not going to take away targets from Cop Robinson's near the bottom and targets per route run over the past couple of seasons. So I think Cup will continue to have that very high floor as long as he's healthy and the Rams are a team. They're not expected to do as well this year. Um, They're in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of how many wins they're expected to have. So that should lead to even more passing than what we've seen in recent seasons out of Los Angeles. So I think Cup's just a super safe bet in terms of he was consistently week in and week out having a ton of catches for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns where Hill, he had an excellent yards per route run last year. And anytime we see someone have that high of yards per route run, they regress the next season, at least a little bit. Um, I could see Miami running the ball more, especially if they had cook, like we were just talking about. And they did add at least a couple of receivers, Again, no one that's going to take away any amount of significant targets from Hill, but it at least gives Miami a couple more options that could take away a target here and there. Added Braxton Berrios, uh, Robbie Chosen, I believe is the name that he is going by now, and then uh, drafted a king at running back. So I think it's going to be a little bit more competition for touches than what he saw last year, where I don't see that similar competition for touches four cup and I expect the Rams to be passing more than the Dolphins where I expect the Dolphins to continue to improve as a team, which will allow them to run the ball more. So I don't think there'll be as much volume for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it just, just in regards to cup, I mean, everything obviously that we saw that made him the, the wide receiver one in 2021 was still there um, with that cup Stafford connection. And uh, he's an easy choice for tier one. Again, for me, um, the same thing number one in this tier was easy for me with Justin Jefferson, but the rest, I, I really went back and forth like crazy, even for number two, because before I had submitted the ranks, I, I, kind of had all of these guys at number two at one point or another during my rankings process. I ultimately landed on chase because it's just hard not to envision him getting even better in year three, but I guess, yeah, as far as Tyree kill goes, what made me land on him as, as number three, I think, you know, a lot of the things that, that did make cup elite the past two years, the, the yards per route run target rate, um, being a high end separator, everything, other than maybe the points per game um, in 2022, Hill was as good or better in in a lot of those categories. So 
uh, yeah, the the three point two zero yards per route run was the best in the league, which it is. It's pretty absurd for a guy who played all seventeen games, but you, you probably do expect some regression there. Um, and and then, but then he also had the best target rate in the league at thirty one point three percent. Posted a comparable open target rate of fifty six point three percent versus Cups sixty percent, but on over seventy more targets. So very much still an elite separator. Um, then you add in some of the ridiculous, like explosive play rate, 40.3%. Uh, it's it's green lights across the board. It's hard for me to pass on Hill as wide receiver three, but it's I, I like to diversify in that area. So I, I switch it up. I go cup there sometimes. Sometimes it's Hill just to not bank on, on just one guy there. And I think... Um, yeah, either one, either one can emerge. But I, I like what you said about the the offense potentially uh, shifting down a little bit in terms of passing offense for Miami. I think that does make sense for them, um, and it could lead to some regression for Hill. He's just so explosive, and and so much of those numbers, even if they do regress a little bit, it's still still really really high end numbers for him. Um, so I do have high hopes for him uh, in twenty twenty three. That's fair. And like both of these guys, they are capable of being the top wide receiver this season. They're both possible that they'll regress a little bit, but both first round picks is just a matter of which one you're picking first of the two. But I think moving on to tier two, um, I have Stefan Diggs at wide receiver five, Devontae Adams at six, CeeDee Lamb at seven, Amon Ross St. Brown at eight, AJ Brown at nine, Waddle at 10 and Garrett Wilson at 11. Um, all guys who basically have proven it in recent seasons that they're capable of being top 10 fantasy wide receivers. A lot of them capable of potentially being the number one overall receiver all have that upside. Um, none of them have a ton that are going against them. I think Garrett Wilson's the most interesting name just because he has Aaron Rodgers now, but everyone else, like they were right at this level last year. Yeah, and I think we we it looks like we have the exact same wide receivers, um, just slightly different order. So Stefan Diggs uh is five for me, AJ Brown is six, uh Devontae Adams at seven, CeeDee Lamb at eight, Garrett Wilson at nine, Jalen Waddle at ten, and Amon Ross St. Brown at eleven. So um probably the biggest difference here is AJ Brown. So um I could talk a little bit about him. You know, I know the target rate for Brown was the lowest of my tier two guys. So just below that 24%, which isn't typical of these top 12 wide receivers in this range. Um, but it's still really close. It was like 23.7. So basically if we're rounding up, but I, I do think the quality of targets, you know, for Brown being among the best in the, in the league does make a difference here coming from what proved to be like a very accurate Jalen hurts last year, who had one of the best catchable pass rates in the league last season at 74.1%. Um, and then you add in what AJ Brown can do after, after the catch with one of the best yards after catch per reception rates, uh, it was 6.4. So top five among wide receivers. Then you look at his missed tackles force per reception at 0.19. That's also a top 10 number. Uh, both of those stable metrics for wide receivers as well. So a nice positive there. Obviously, added 11 touchdowns. Only two of them were 40-plus yarders, but they target him he- targeted him heavily in the red zone as well, where he can kind of win those contested catches or just drag defenders into the end zone with him. So the, the Tier 2, again, for me, it was another one of those ones that I moved guys around quite a bit before submitting. And, and with this being like version 1 for my ranks, I, I could see myself doing a couple more tweaks before the season, but I really love A.J. Brown. I, I don't know how much he'll move for me if, if at all. 
fair. Like Brown, I think, is someone where if we were drafting all the wide receivers to be on a team that we were managing and just trying to win in real life, Brown would be in the tier one of wide receivers. I think he's that talented of a player. I think it's just trying to run some of the numbers of how the Eagles offense will be this season and comparing it to some of the other players. And I have some more concerns compared to some of the other guys on the list. And one of them is just the lows for him, I think will be lower than some of the lows for some of the other players Um, in the divisional and conference round of the playoffs. Those were games where the Eagles won by combined 69 to 14. And he only caught seven passes for 50 yards, no touchdowns in those games. Um, He had a similar dry spell in November, uh, was averaging 3.5 receptions per game, uh, 60 or fewer yards in each of those games, still scored two touchdowns. So I think it's just a problem of there's too much talent in Philadelphia and they are winning by so much a lot that they can run the ball. Um, They added two new running backs this offseason. So I think we could see a little bit more running of the ball this year than we were last year, just because they have the ability to get those leads and then maintain them with those running backs. Um, So I think it's just a matter of with him comparing him to guys, um, the guys that I have directly above them, CD lamb, Devonte Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, If you look at the five receivers with the most fantasy points over the second half last year, it was Jefferson followed by lamb Adams and St. Brown. And then Devonta Smith was the highest graded or highest scoring Eagles wide receiver over the second half of the season in terms of fantasy points. So I think part of it's just the competition that he has in his own receiving room. He also has more competition at tight end than any of the other guys that we're talking about in this tier. So it's just too many players fighting for the ball in his own offense compared to some of these other guys on the list. Yeah. No, that's a good point for sure, especially if we see Philly continue to be as dominant as as they were last season. And like you said, those two playoff games were were definitely um, a key note there as far as being, you know, how involved he'll be in the offense if they are blowing teams out. So, yeah, it's a it's a good point as well. Um, so, OK, let's go to tier three here uh, so we can talk about a few different guys in this one. Sure. So uh, starting off my tier three is T Higgins at wide receiver 12, followed by Chris Olave at 13, uh, Debo Samuel at 14, DK Metcalf at 15, uh, Keenan Allen at 16, Devonta Smith at 17, Amari Cooper at 18. So again, a lot of guys who have like been here before are capable of being elite fantasy wide receivers, but for one reason or another, we have them slightly lower than the guys that we were just talking about. Right. Yeah, that that's kind of how I felt about this group as well. And I, I did add two extra names in there, so slightly different as well. But um, I do have Chris Olave as wide receiver 12, T. Higgins as wide receiver 13. Devontae Smith moved down to wide receiver 14 for me. So that was one that did change um, since the rankings have come out uh, for me. And then I have Christian Watson at wide receiver 15 uh, in Green Bay. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 16, Drake London at 17, uh, Amari Cooper at 18, Terry McLaurin at 19, and I put Debo at wide receiver 20 for me. Sure. So um, I'll talk about Debo first as someone who we have six spots different between us. Um, He's someone who was wide receiver three in 2021. Uh, was wide receiver 11 over the first seven weeks of last season. And then he started dealing with hamstring and ankle injuries that kind of derailed a season he played through. 
some of those injuries for parts of the season, but just wasn't quite the same player after he started suffering those injuries. So I believe he'll be healthy and ready to go for this year. So I think he's definitely capable of having that top 10 potential again this year. I think probably the biggest concerns is, again, he's in an offense with a lot of talented players. Um, They added Christian McCaffrey, and we haven't seen a ton of McCaffrey and a healthy Samuel together yet. Um, We did luckily see one playoff game where both of them had over 100 yards. Uh, Both scored a touchdown, I believe. This was against Seattle. So we have seen both players um, excel in the offense before, and Samuel was still seeing at least four carries per game once I added McCaffrey and that's still with Samuel, not at a hundred percent. So um, yeah, it's a lot of good players in the offense, but I think Samuel's a special player in that he one gets that rushing production in a way that basically no other fantasy wide receiver gets. And then a lot of short passes that even though there's that questionable, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback in San Francisco um, based on how he plays. It'll be okay. If whoever is that quarterback, I think, Samuel will be able to excel in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. I, I mean, I still really like Debo. I, I kind of knew I wouldn't be as high on him as consensus putting him here at 20, even though um, he's kind of an obvious like bounce back candidate for this season. I, I guess for me, it just became, you know, kind of how much of a bounce back is it going to be with him? Uh, because it's, it's very likely not going to be like that wide receiver three again, like you said, from two seasons ago. And going to be really hard to be as poor as it was last year at wide receiver 36 but I, I was a little bit concerned with with how he was lo- used last year enough that i'm tempering expectations just kind of a bit with uh, a bit more with how much of a bounce back i think it'll be and and part of that is yeah the quarterback situation and a little bit more mouths to feed there in san francisco but we did see his average depth of target essentially kind of sliced in half from down from 8.6 in 2021 to four and a half in 2022, which even for a player who is as good with the ball in his hands as anyone in the league that did deliver a pretty big hit across uh, across the board to his like yards per route run down from 2.98 to 1.69, which is kind of the lowest of the guys in this tier. And, and part of that definitely was not being healthy as well, right? But it sapped a lot of his big plays as well as we saw his kind of explosive play rate drop from like 45% to 26.8. So in, in the span of that one year as well. But Again, you know, that that offense is stacked. I, I do really like how involved he is overall in the offense, like you said, um, including everything that he brings as a rusher as well, which is why I do think he absolutely should be in the conversation for tier three. But I also really kind of like Brandon Ayuk as well. I don't have him too far behind. I think I have him as wide receiver 26. And uh, I think he showed a lot last year as well in, in a breakout year three. So I'll probably be a bit higher on Ayuk than consensus, I, I believe, and, and probably a bit lower at Depot. At cost, I think I'd rather have Ayuk than Samuel this season, but um, it, it's fairly close for me. I, I just kind of I bumped one up a little bit but, and knocked the other one down just uh, just slightly. There. And I'll add, he's probably the riskiest player that I have in this tier in that I think he is capable of having that top five production and especially depending on the scoring formats, um, depending on how much rushing is valued, that could be kind of huge for him. But there's also the possibility that he doesn't get his speed back. And um, he did just recently mention that he was watching his film and described it as awful and he was out of shape. So at least he is motivated to do better than he was last year. I know we probably aren't going to give too much uh, credibility to what coaches and players are saying in terms of people being in the best shape of their lives, but I do think he is going to improve off 
last year and it's something that he believes as well. So um, he also has that risk that he might not be as good and could fall off where I think some of these other wide receivers are a bit more safe in that as long as they stay healthy, we've seen pretty consistent production out of them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do like that though, that he's at least noticing that um, there's room for improvement there. Cause we do, we do believe that he'll get, he'll be better obviously than he was last year. It's just, yeah. The question is just how much better, right? Where does he fall? So uh, he'll be a fun one this year again. Um, so how about Christian Watson? I, I put Christian Watson into this tier. I kind of have him um, pretty high in, in comparison to you. Um, so this one, it does feel a little bit like it's it's hinging on Jordan Love a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure I feel like too comfortable with Love himself as a fantasy asset, but I do think he should be like competent enough to get Watson the ball at, at a high rate, high rate, and maybe not to the extent that we what we saw from Aaron Rodgers, but coming close to that really makes me like him as kind of a high end wide receiver too. And we saw what he was able to do in the back half of last year, where from week 10 on, he ranked like third in wide receivers uh, in yards per route run. He ranked fourth in average depth of target uh, 11th in yards after the catch per reception and 11th in with a 75% contested catch rate and then posted uh the second best points per game over expected uh, fantasy points per game over expected. That is at plus 3.6. So he was awesome. I, I mean, obviously with, with Rogers gone and love coming in, there's going to be some regression there as well, but I, I don't think there's much of a question that he'll be like target number one in that offense. And I, I really believe that we only got kind of like a taste of what he can do as a rookie. So I, I'm pretty excited about year two Watson to see some more of that speed and the explosive plays. Even if Jordan love is a bit more conservative as a passer, we, we kind of saw what Watson can do on those throws underneath and still be a threat to take it to the house. But uh, yeah. What do you, what do you think about Christian Watson? I think you're a Packers fan, right? Oh uh, yeah. It's just yeah. for me, it's very <laughs> risky with the Packers and I, think Jordan Love will do well. I just don't think he will do as well as Aaron Rodgers was doing in recent years, at least in year one. And they basically replaced all of their veteran wide receivers and tight ends with rookies. So that's going to make me question how good the Packers offense will be, at least in terms of passing the ball. I think that'll lead a lot of the defense to focus on Watson just because there's not too much else they have to focus on outside of the running backs out of the backfield. So I could see that being a struggle point for Watson. Um, Last year, he was top 10 in fantasy points over the second half of the year once he became a starter. But a lot of that did have to do with the touchdowns, which he scored seven of them, which was tied for the most over the second half of the season. But he was only 18th in yards and 35th in receptions. So it, it's going to be needing to see a lot more volume, which he should see at least some more volume than he did last year. Um, he was 24th in receiving grade over the entire season. So doing that as a rookie is impressive. I think he's definitely capable of being a top 20 wide receiver this year in terms of quality of play. But it, I think a lot of the wide receivers that we're talking about in this tier and even in the tier lower are going to be getting more help from the offense in general and their quarterbacks and more help from other players on the team to ease some of the pressure off of him where outside of Watson, it's rookies and Romeo Dobbs and the running backs that Love has to throw to. So mm-hmm. if you're a defense, all you have to do is stop Watson and you need one of these other young receivers to step up in order for the defense to really respect them. So um, my, a lot of my concerns are also just with the offense in general, the touchdowns came with 
Uh, three of them were deep or big plays where he was gaining over 35 yards. The rest of them, he was gaining at least seven yards for a touchdown. So it wasn't really these like red zone uh, goal line targets that he's getting scoring these touchdowns. They're big plays that he's getting. And oftentimes it takes the quarterback's help to get a big play. Sometimes the receiver can do it all on his own, but a lot of times having a great throw to him helps him. So I think it'll be harder for him to keep these touchdowns up, even if you start seeing more of that value. Yeah, that's fair. It's he's definitely kind of like a big swing to take in that range, right? So I I get it. It, it, If you know people aren't willing to take the risk, there's definitely some some like maybe safer, more consistent options uh, in that range as well. So um, he was he was one of the bigger swings for me. So I'm glad we we talked about him a little bit. Um, uh, Keenan Allen, uh, you have Keenan Allen in this tier. I have him, I think, a little bit lower. Yes, I do. I have him yep. in the in the next tier, but close. Um, why don't we talk about Keenan Allen here? Sure. So he's someone I have at wide receiver 16, and I think he's been just incredibly consistent over the recent seasons. Um, he played two partial games early last year, dealing with a bunch of injuries, but he played over the last eight weeks of the season. Uh, in that time, he scored the third most fantasy points. Um, in 2021, he was wide receiver 11. Um, he's not grading as consistently as he was or not. He's been grading consistently, but not as high as he was early in his career in like 2017, 2018, when he was about an elite receiver, but he's still been grading um, in the low 80s. So he's still playing at a high level. Um, part of what I'm excited for is the uh, Kellen Moore offense. The Cowboys um, in the last couple of seasons have thrown the third most targets to receivers in the slot where the Chargers have been more middle of the pack somewhere outside of the top 10. So um, part of it is the excitement for the offense going forward. I know the big drawbacks are with Allen are he had the injury concerns last year. Um, He's getting a little bit older. They added Quentin Johnston to the offense. So I know there's definitely drawbacks, but I think he's been a top 10 fantasy wide receiver most of the time when he's been healthier, just outside of that. So I think if everything's going right, he's, could very well be a top five fantasy wide receiver if everything's going well in the offense. It just, there's that possibility that this is the year where he starts to step back even further in terms of production. And with uh, the rookie there, that could be fewer targets for him. But I think with how well he's playing and how much I think the charges will be passing the ball, I think there's going to be plenty of targets to go around everyone in the offense. And I think Allen's going to potentially benefit the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I still like Alan quite a bit. I, I actually thought I'd end up being the one who who was higher on him because I've landed on him, landed him in quite a few drafts. I think maybe just consensus is probably lower on him, maybe worried about, like you said, that drop off or the injury risk or maybe shared targets with Quentin Johnson um, now coming in. I, I'm not too concerned about that. I, you know, Alan was, he was perfectly productive last year when he played averaging like uh, 16.8 PPR points per game. So really good. Um, the target rate yards per route run were all excellent. So even at 31 years old, the man, he's, he's been awesome when he's healthy. We saw that when he came back last year from week 11 on, he finished inside the top 24 PPR wide receivers every week, but one, uh, and that one week he finished at wide, as wide receiver 25 in week 17. So just missed it. And then he made up for it in week 18, uh, as wide receiver one. So n- not that many, um, fantasy gamers playing in week 18, but it still shows you that, you know, he can be a very, very good uh, fantasy option when he's healthy. 
the only thing basically for me that doesn't have him higher uh, on this list is is I like a few of the other guys just slightly more, um, in, including one we'll we'll talk about probably fairly shortly. Yeah, and I think it's something where like we have guys like Chris Olave, which we both had high in this mm-hmm. tier. You had Drake London in this tier. I have him near the top of the next tier. Um, it's fun to take a chance on some of these younger wide receivers that we've seen play well in their short time in the NFL already, and they could take another step further. Um, they're getting closer to the peak of their career, where Allen's getting further away from the peak of his career. It's just for me, Allen, it's these young guys that we say have upside, but Allen, all he has to do is continue doing what he was for the second half of last year, and he's a top five fantasy wide receiver, and that's all it takes for him, where it's not as exciting because Allen's not as good as he once was. And a lot of it's from volume, but if the volume continues, he's going to be a steal at wide receiver 16. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a bias. there targeting the targeting these young guys. We all kind of want to be in on them when they really blow up first for in fantasy football. And we've, we've, we've seen Keenan Allen do it. So we know what we're getting there, but you want that excitement of, of having a guy and being right about one of these early um, or younger players where when they do blow up and be fantasy stars, um, you want to be in on that first. So I, I do, I can see that for sure. Um, but yeah, before we get into tier four, we have one more sponsor we'd like to shout out, and that is DraftKings. The player you benched in fantasy football just went off with best ball on DraftKings. You get the best of your team all season long. This year, best ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. Join DraftKings biggest best ball contest today and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings best ball millionaire contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops or trades needed. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars that's code PFF only on DraftKings. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as 10 DraftKings dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. This contest ends July 14th, 2023. All right. Tier four. All right, tier four, I have a lot of guys in this tier that I feel like are all grouped together. We're starting with DeAndre Hopkins, the free agent at wide receiver 19, followed by Chris Godwin, DJ Moore. Uh, next, I have Watson, uh, then Mike Williams, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, uh, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk of the Jaguars, uh, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, and Mike Evans. Nice. Yeah. My, my tier four is a little bit tighter, a little smaller, um, but I, I have some bigger ones later on. But Chris Godwin kicks us off at wide receiver 21. Then I got Jerry Judy, wide receiver 22. Uh, this is where Keenan Allen comes in at wide receiver 23 for me. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver 24. DJ Moore, 25. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 26. Mike Williams, 27. And Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 28. So... 
Jerry Judy. Um, so he was one of the guys, uh, one of the receivers that I did like slightly more than Keenan uh, for this year. And, and part of the reason is I do think Russell Wilson under Sean Payton can see a nice improvement from last year. And we already, you know, started to kind of see that near the end of last year from Russ, which I, I think is a good sign because that start to the year was pretty rough and not that he'll necessarily be like as good as Justin Herbert is for, for Keenan Allen, but good enough, hopefully to get the ball to Judy at a high rate and then letting him do the rest because he was as good, if not maybe slightly better than Keenan Allen last year. And some of the key receiving categories, um, they both ex- had the exact same yards per route run at 2.18, but uh, Judy had the the better explosive play rate nearing 40%. He was better after the catch as well in both missed tackles force per reception and yards after the catch per reception, uh, and was even a slightly better separator at 59% versus 56.5% with, with a much higher average depth of target of 12 yards versus nine yards. So, you know, as, even as as we're kind of talking about this, I I think I might I like Judy enough. I go back and forth between him and Chris Godwin. I think I'm moving Judy probably ahead of Godwin, um, and he's right next to Debo Samuel for me. I, I like him quite a bit heading into this season. But what are your thoughts on on Jerry Judy in uh, Denver? I definitely think he's a talented player. I just see too many red flags in general with the situation that start to worry me. Um, one, the trade rumors that have been going on. I know that they've been saying that they don't, would only do it for a first round pick, but the fact that the trade rumors are happening at all make it sound like they know they have a talented player, just they don't know if he's the right fit for this offense. And I think it's in this offense is a lot of my concern there uh, with Sean Payton. They brought in a lot of their guys at scout of his guys at skill position players, uh, Tony Jones at running back, uh, Marquez Callaway and little Jordan Humphrey at wide receiver, Adam Troutman at tight end. And in that offense, that was a team that liked to rotate players in and out a ton. And that's been true um, for a long time with the saints. And I think that'll carry on in Denver. So I think at wide receiver, we could see a pretty big rotation of players going in and out. Um, I think, uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick maybe fit a little better of what a number one wide receiver in their offense tends to look like with the um, Marquez Colston back in the day. And then Michael Thomas more recently, I think Tim Patrick probably best fits what they look for in a number one wide receiver. And then they uh, drafted Marvin Mims in the second round to just add to that wide receiver rotation. So I think it could just be too many players in this offense. that I'll see a bunch of targets. And for me, that has Judy a little lower. I do think Judy is the most talented player. And if the offense changes from what Sean Payton's done a little bit in the past, I think Judy will definitely be better than where I have him ranked. I'm just worried that there's a chance he could fall significantly from where we have him ranked. If he's not the number one wide receiver and the rotating guys in and out a lot. And some of these other players, like I'm not saying that I think uh, Callaway will be a starter in Denver, but I think Callaway could see some amount of playing time and that would take away from all of the other wide receivers. And just last year we were talking about Denver having too many good options at wide receiver before Tim Patrick got injured. So um, I think for me, the concern is just the volume and uh, too many other players that could be seeing playing time that it's a new, off- new coaching staff, new offense, I don't know how they view Judy where other guys I'm more confident in like how the guys that I have directly above 
I know how Seattle is going to use Tyler Lockett. I know how the Steelers are going to use Deontay Johnson. They have the same quarterbacks that they've had, the same coaches that they've had. They also have some competition for targets on their teams, but I can be a lot more confident that they will continue to do well where Judy could be a lot better than this, but he could also have a lot less production, even though I know he's a talented player. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good call. Um, absolutely. Could be, uh, it could go either way there for, for Jerry Judy. So I, yeah, maybe won't move him up too much then. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, actually. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins uh, and and Hollywood Brown as well, because we got these guys in this range. Um, what did you think about? Uh, obviously, like DeAndre Hopkins is uh, is still a free agent visiting with the Titans this week. There's been a few teams rumored as well. Um, what do you think about uh, DeAndre Hopkins' fantasy value going forward? There, I was definitely higher on him about a week ago before I found out that he was considering going to a team like the Titans. I thought he would be at this point in his career where he's arguably the best wide receiver over the past decades. And some of the other guys in that conversation either haven't been playing in recent years or weren't playing a decade ago. So uh, Hopkins is number one in a number of stats if you look at just the past decade specifically. But I thought he'd be more looking to get a ring in his last few seasons. So I thought a team like Buffalo or Kansas city who had significant trade talks with him earlier would be the teams that he would end up going to. But with Tennessee, he would see plenty of targets because Tennessee um, arguably the lightest wide receiver room right now in terms of how much uh, talent and pass production are on the team currently. So I think Hopkins would definitely be the number one receiver in Tennessee and see plenty of volume. But if you look at his PFF grades, they haven't quite been as high these past two seasons as earlier in his career. Um, He just recently celebrated his 31st birthday. He has the same birthday as I do. So easy for me to remember (laughs) that. But um, he had gone from scoring about 18 fantasy points per game to about 14 to 16 in recent seasons. And in Arizona, they had run the fourth most passing plays over the last two seasons. If he goes to Tennessee, it's the team that's run the third fewest. So while he could have a very large part of the pie in Tennessee, it's a much smaller pie in terms of uh, passing possibilities with Derrick Henry still being the number one player in the Titans offense who would be running the ball plenty this year. So um, I think with Hopkins... uh, Right now, I have him in the top 20. If he ends in Tennessee, he'll probably be outside of the top 20, still holding out a little hope that he could end up in one of these um, offenses that have a great quarterback, but not necessarily um, a lot of depth at wide receiver. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I, I think for the most part, wherever he lands, he's probably still going to be you know, in that wide, rec- wide receiver two range. Tennessee, obviously not a great one. Um, but, you know, if it were a place like the Chiefs, I, I, I do feel like it's probably his best shot at returning to kind of that wide receiver one territory, obviously, you know, assuming health and all that. But Hopkins and Mahomes, uh, even with Kelsey there, could be pretty dangerous. There are plenty of targets in that offense to go around and let Hopkins produce those wide receiver one numbers. And we, we kind of saw it even last year. I mean, from weeks seven to 16, when he played last year, he was a wide receiver one anyways. He was wide receiver seven uh, in PPR over that span. So not 
that far of a reach for Hopkins to potentially kind of revitalize, um, you know, some of his fantasy value there uh, by going to a place like Kansas City. But there are definitely some some spots that maybe aren't as good as others for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but yeah, with with Hopkins leaving, we got Hollywood Brown um, coming in as the new wide receiver one uh, uh, for for the Cardinals. Uh, what did you think about, uh, or what do you think about Hollywood Brown here for Arizona as their top guy? Sure, for me, um, he feels a little bit similar to the situation in Green Bay, where he is very clear cut the number one receiver on the team. Um, he was wide receiver five over the first six weeks of last season. Uh, before Hopkins was playing during that time. So he's shown that he can be a top five fantasy wide receiver. I think it'll be definitely interesting to see how this offense works out because they have a younger offensive coordinator who hasn't been an offensive coordinator in the NFL before. Um, So he has a math background. I hope he knows to pass the ball a lot because that's how you win in the NFL. And Arizona is not expected to do all that great. So they're going to need to be passing a ton. Um, their next best option in the receiving game, I think, is Zach Ertz, who's 32, will be 33 by the en- by the end of the season. Um, they haven't really added a ton in the passing game. Uh, Michael Wilson in the third round of the draft, uh, Zach Pascal, who are both probably just going to be role players. So I think for me, this just has to a ton to do with volume, even though we know the quarterback situation in Arizona where Kyler Murray, we have no idea when he, he will be healthy. And just the offense in general, we don't know how good it'll be. But I think it's hard to see Brown not being uh, Brown not seeing a ton of targets this season. So I think he's someone who um, I have met wide receiver 31. I'm guessing he'll end up among the top 30 wide receivers as long as he can stay healthy. I can see it being hard to see that upside of him being top 10 again. Murray doesn't come back anytime soon. But I think just the volume will be there for him to be a pretty safe top 30 probably even a little bit higher wide receiver, just volume alone. And he's also a talented receiver who we've seen do plenty of things in the NFL so far as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I'm with you on this one, right? My wide receiver tiers came out before the release of of Hopkins. So I've definitely moved up uh, Hollywood Brown since then. He sits at wide receiver 32 for me. So um, you're you're still like one spot higher on him, higher than him than me. Um, But worth mentioning since Hopkins puts, you know, Hopkins release puts him in that wide receiver one spot in the offense. Now, Um, albeit, like you said, it's probably not going to be a great Cardinals team, but still a wide receiver one nonetheless. So the target should be there. Um, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. The betting favorite is probably Colt McCoy. Um, but if you listen to the, to our quarterback episode, you know, I'm really hoping Clayton Toon will get a shot. Um, go back and listen to that quarterback episode to find out why I like him so much. But yeah, we did. We got a glimpse of Brown in that wide receiver one role last year, had some really strong finishes. Obviously that was with Kyler Murray at quarterback. So that helps. Um, but you know, hopefully it's it's Clayton Tune again, like I said. Um, uh, but yeah, wide receiver thirty-two with a potential for t- wide receiver thirty in that range. It it I think that makes the most sense for this season. Yeah, and it's something where like they are sticking with James Conner running back. They didn't really add anyone at running back. So when I'm comparing like the Arizona and Green Bay situations where they have a clear top receiver, not much else in the offense. At least Green Bay has two pretty elite running backs where James Conner is worthy of being a starting running back in the NFL, but just not someone to get as excited about or for defenses to get as scared of. So I think this offense is going to run through Brown and 
they're going to be down a lot in the fourth quarter of games, and that'll be even more garbage time targets for Brown to see. For sure. All right, let's look at our, our tier five here. Who do you have uh, leading us off in tier five? Sure. So uh, funnily, or funny enough, we have guys in a fairly similar spot in tier five. I start off with Michael Pittman at wide receiver 33 for me, Brandon Ayuk at 34, uh, George Pickens at 35, Jahan Dotson at 36, uh, Jordan Addison with the Vikings at 37, uh, Traylon Burks at 38, mostly assuming that they don't add a wide receiver in Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas at 39, uh, Jackson Smith and Ujigba with Seattle at wide receiver 40, uh, Brandon Cooks now with the Cowboys at wide receiver 41, and the Patriots' new top wide receiver, Juju Smith-Huster, at wide receiver 42. Nice. Yeah, for me, so I put uh, Christian Kirk is leading my tier five at wide receiver 29. Uh, then it's Mike Evans at 30, Calvin Ridley at 31. Um, Marquise Brown comes in here, so he's wide receiver 32 for me. Then it's Tyler Lockett. Michael Pittman, Traylon Burks, uh, Jordan Addison at wide receiver 36, George Pickens 37, Jahan Dotson at 38, and Michael Thomas at 39. So not any real huge discrepancies between this uh, group for us. Um, I mean, I put Christian Kirk over Calvin Ridley as the Jags wide receiver one, but it, they're pretty close for me as well. So I, I know, yeah, yours are, are right beside each other too, right? So um, yeah. Yeah, not that controversial, I don't yeah. think. Like, this is the point of the draft where you're taking chances on guys that are either uh, really young that saw some promise last year or guys in new situations. Like, this is where we started putting some of the rookie wide receivers. We have a number of wide receivers who are on new teams that are in this tier. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Thomas, he's the guy that, like, it's last couple of years, it's felt like don't really know what to do with mm-hmm. since we know he's capable of being the top wide receiver overall but he's also been injured significantly recently and now the saints have a bit more competition at wide receiver and no longer have drew Brees. so um he's a wild card so at this point like you're also starting to draft some guys who aren't necessarily supposed to be starters for your team but you're hoping have that upside to be a starter if things are going as well as you hope they go. So um, that's really, I think, at this point of the draft, the kind of players that you're looking to target, not necessarily the safest players, but guys who um, have everything goes right could be a top 20, top 15 wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. He's just It's definitely the, the range where you start to see the chalk kind of break up a little bit, right? As people start to take some swings on, on their guys a little bit more and, and deviate from, you know, ADP and rankings and things like that, because everybody's got different kind of perspectives and how they view these players. So um, we'll definitely start to see a, a little bit more discrepancies here. Um, but yeah, we got a few things to talk about in tier six, so we could probably move on to that one. Sure. So tier six, we both get to 58 wide receivers. Um, again, like we've said in the past episodes, we both rank more than these players. It's just how many we have time to talk about on the podcast. So if you want to go even deeper than these 58, definitely check out our ranking articles, rankings on the website uh, to find out more than just these 58 guys. But to start off my tier six at wide receiver 43, Kadarius Tony with Kansas City. Uh, then Quinton Johnston with the Chargers, Jacoby Myers now with the Raiders at wide receiver 45, uh, Cortland Sutton at 46, Gabe Davis 47, Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd, Alan Lazard, Darnell Mooney, 
Zay Jones, Zay Flowers, uh, DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo, Odell Beckham, Jamison Williams, and Rashad Bateman. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot of players here. Um, mm. So so mine starts with uh, Rashad Bateman, and then I go Kadarius Tony, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster, Alan Lazard, Elijah Moore, Quentin Johnston, Darnell Mooney, Jacoby Myers, Adam Thielen, Zay Flowers, Jonathan Mingo, Nico Collins, Tyler Boyd, KJ Osborne and Odell Beckham Jr. at wide receiver 58. So what th- this is where the tiers get pretty big, obviously, and there, there's going to be some um, pretty big differences in these. Uh, but why don't we talk about the the Carolina wide receiver group as it's a it's an all new group here um, for rookie quarterback Bryce Young. What are your thoughts on uh, the Panthers wide receiver core? Sure. So the Panthers are a situation and this tier in general, you're just looking for high upside and that's why with Carolina, I went with some of the younger wide receivers. I went with DJ Chark and Mingo as my top two receivers from Carolina in this tier where you have Adam Thielen as your top wide receiver mm-hmm. for Carolina. For me, it's just Thielen at this point in the career. We know what he is. We know what he's capable of. I don't think he's going to do better than he was doing in Minnesota. I think he will definitely have a decent role in the offense and have a chance to like, I think he will probably be within the top 50 in terms of fantasy points. I just have a hard time seeing him in the top 30 in terms of fantasy points where I see Chark having the opportunity to be top 30. If he's the top wide receiver there, I see Mingo having the opportunity to be in the top 30 if he ends up as Carolina's favorite target. So at this point, if I'm taking basically dart throws to at upside, I'm taking it on some of these younger players for Carolina rather than taking it on Thielen, unless you're in this like big league where you're starting five different wide receivers or something like that. So definitely take those things into consideration, but like similar to what I was saying in tier five, a lot of these guys in tier six are in new situations. Uh, Guys like Alan Lazard or Jacoby Myers who are on new teams and could be doing different things a number of rookies in this tier as well. So you're taking a lot more chances on upside where um, Michael Gallup is someone who comes to mind in Dallas as we know who he is at this point. Um, He's the third receiver in Dallas. Now, neither of us have him ranked in the top 58, even though there's a decent chance he could score within the top 58. It's just really hard to see him in the top 30 where you want to take chances on guys who have a chance to be really good. And if they happen to not be that good, then there's someone that it's fine if you end up dropping them at some point over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I have Thielen as as the top guy here in Carolina, although I don't have Mingo too far behind. I think it's literally like two spots and DJ Chark, definitely a, a chance to emerge there as well. I, I guess the main concern for these guys, at least for this year, is is can you know Bryce Young do enough year one to make these guys relevant on, on a weekly basis? History probably says that the odds aren't great for a rookie quarterback being able to do so, in which case... I'm not like overly excited about any of them really, but I do. I think you're right with the upside call. That's probably the best route to go. Um, So I can easily switch Thielen and Mingo there and then move Chark up as well, because yeah, it's, it's, it's not the most exciting group for fantasy. That's for sure. But um, 
One group that maybe could be exciting for people uh, is the Baltimore Ravens wide receivers. So we can take a look at their new wide receiver core uh, in Baltimore. Obviously, you know, we have Mark Andrews still there and he's expected to be the top option in the passing game still. But he's definitely got a little bit more competition this season with Odell Beckham coming in after a year away from the game. So I'll be interested to see how he kind of looks. And then they also spent a first round pick on, say, Flowers in this year's draft and Rashad Bateman. during year three could be in for a potential breakout as well i know my personal favorite is rashad bateman and he's like your least favorite which makes me sad but uh, we both have all three guys within that same fairly large tier six so i just have bateman at the top and and you literally have him down at the bottom so uh, i i get it i mean one of the issues with bateman last season aside from the injury obviously was that he just wasn't getting an ideal snap share in the offense just 49 percent of offensive snaps in the 12 games that he appeared in um, but when he was on the field, he, he did see a really strong target rate of 23.3%, posted a very high 9.1 yards after catch for reception, a 40% explosive play rate, and a very high end 2.38 yards per route run. But you have to ignore the fact that that came on just 15 receptions. So, you know, if you can ignore that, those are obviously some very amazing numbers. Um, Obviously, I, I wish he did it on more of a full-time role, but I think with a new offensive coordinator coming in, and the team talking about potentially passing the ball more frequently this season. I think year three could finally be the year we get the version of Bateman that we expected as a former first round pick out of Minnesota. Obviously a little hope in there, but I don't think his cost is going to sink anyone in like the ninth or 10th round uh, there where you're mostly adding depth anyways. So again, he's he's probably one of those upside plays for me because um, I am a big believer in the Bateman breakout, which is why I have him a decent bit ahead of the other Ravens wide receivers and I know Lamar has talked him up a fair bit as well so I think that connection could be really strong as well hopefully he just gets more than 50% of the offensive snaps this season there and I think with Baltimore like last year they were rotating their offense a ton and things could change significantly with the new offensive coordinator there where like no one was seeing a very high percentage of offensive snaps out of outside of Mark Andrews among those skill players. So I think that'll be something that'll change in general with the offense Um, with Bateman. And then also going back to Carolina a little bit, Terrace Marshall, those have been two of the hardest guys uh, for me to rank just because they're still so young and we're highly drafted and maybe haven't gotten as good of opportunities as we could hope for Bateman with the injuries last year, definitely um, made it harder to evaluate him, but he's still only 23 years old. But it's also hard for me to feel like the team has confidence in them when Baltimore added Zay Flowers in the draft. They added Beckham in free agency. They also added Nelson Aguilar. Devin Duvernay still on the team. They recently added Laquan Treadwell, who's been a fourth or fifth wide receiver on teams over the past couple of seasons. So they have a lot of guys in Baltimore that... I feel like if they trusted Bateman, they wouldn't have added as many players as they did. If they would have just added Flowers or just added Beckham and then Aguilar to that group, then I could see them still being confident that Bateman can be the guy. But with adding so many players, it seems like they're hedging their bets of, well, hopefully out of these six wide receivers that we have on the team, two or three of them end up good enough to be quality starters and work in the offense. So that's why it's hard for me to have at least Bateman be far away from the other players on this group. I have flowers number one, just because uh, Bateman has only graded out at 66 
in his career so far. So he really hasn't shown much when he has been given the opportunities and that um, even though he hasn't had as much volume as other receivers, the grades try to account for how much volume you have. So um, it's just flowers. We haven't seen what he's done in the NFL yet where Bateman, he's had two years to try showing what he can do in the NFL and hasn't shown us all that much yet. So that's why I have flowers ahead. And then Beckham, just how much they were willing to invest in him, how much money they spent when other teams didn't sound like they were going to spend that much on him. So it sounds like they're confident in Beckham. But uh, like you were saying before, with the new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, there's definitely a chance that we see one of these wide receivers do something where the past couple of years, it's been hard to find much out of the Baltimore wide receivers with how much they run the ball, with how much they rotate their players. So definitely things could change in that direction. So you shouldn't be afraid to draft any Ravens receiver. It's just which Ravens receiver you want to take a chance on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good points. And, and there, that, that's why I was sad when I saw that you had him lower than me. <laughs> I was a little bit concerned. Yeah. About the usage, what it would look like. And um, it, it, those are all good points, but um, yeah, I mean that, that, that's kind of our, our, 58 right so we like nathan said um, we have a lot more than that ranked up on the website but uh for this episode at least that's going to wrap our positional previews for the wide receiver group um a lot of information in there for a very key position especially in ppr league so i hope you all found that useful uh thank you to everyone for listening and continuing to tune into this new version of the pff fantasy podcast it really means a lot to us we very much appreciate it and for those who are interested in looking at our faces as we talk. Uh, You can also now subscribe to the PFF Fantasy Podcast YouTube channel. It's a brand new channel, so anyone who is willing to check it out and subscribe here would be uh, helping us in a big way and we just continue to love you even more. Uh, Other options for following along, if you'd like, is we have now set up a PFF Fantasy Discord channel uh, for anyone that wants to get in there. This is also a brand new channel, uh, but a great place to kind of get start sit advice, trade advice. We have Dynasty Devi, IDP, DFS channels, all within that server as well. So lots to talk about with a fast-growing Discord community. Uh, You can find the link to that on Twitter at PFF underscore fantasy. We've been sending it out from that account uh, fairly regularly uh, this past week or so. Um, And then, yeah, as far as our content, everything new up on the site, what do you got? uh, What do you have going this week, Nathan? Uh, just recently on my Superflex rankings go up, and I will mention we've had a lot of work going on behind the scenes on some new tools for our fantasy products, so that'll be coming out within the next month or so. So you'll definitely have a new experience with PFF Fantasy to prep you for this season with the draft and everything else going on fantasy-wise. Definitely. Yeah, exciting stuff there. Um, and then as for me, I put recently up this week a 30-round offense plus IDP combined rankings and draft strategy walkthrough. So for anyone who maybe wants to give IDP a try but doesn't feel overly confident about scoring, lineup requirements, where to value defensive players within the offensive ones, um, I've included all that within the article and it's free to view on pff.com. Also put out my favorite bounce-back candidates for both offense and IDP up on the site this week as well so again we appreciate every single one of you for listening thank you to nathan uh, as well for joining me and hopefully you'll all be back soon for another positional preview episode next week as we cover the tight ends so until then thank you and peace out